If you have your Bibles, let's turn together to the book of Matthew. I'm going to read out of the 11th chapter of Matthew. So if you have that, Matthew 11, I will read the first six verses here in Matthew. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding His twelve disciples. When people say, I just don't like, I don't like it when people tell me what to do. Well, if you intend on ever being designated or identified or called a disciple, know that you will most likely from someone hear things pretty straight. And the Bible said he, he made an end of commanding his 12 disciples. He departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Doesn't that sound much better that folks that really don't know him, they get his teaching and preaching. But people that are following him get his commandments. I don't have time to preach all of that, but go home and study it. Now, when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, this is speaking of John the baptizer, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Are you the one that we are supposed to be looking for? Or should we stop our pursuit here and begin looking elsewhere? Do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. He said, go, go show to him or go tell to him, communicate to him what you are seeing and hearing. And from one of the other gospel writers, there's a break in this, in this text. And the break here describes miracles that Jesus was doing in the conversation. So while the conversation is going on, Jesus, in essence, says, well... Hold on just a second. And miracles happen. And he turns back to them and says, Now now go tell him what, what you've just seen. Go tell him what, you, what you've just heard. Go, go share this, this experience. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he... Whosoever shall not be offended in me. Amen. So many people taking offense at everything these days. I mean, people get offended over things that just cause you to shake your head and say, really? He said, blessed, blessed are those. Remember when I started this, he was, he was commanding. You, you, want, you want to offend people? Here's a sure way to offend people. Get in their business and tell them what to do. And give them no options about it, but absolute. That's, that's what Jesus was doing. And he said, and by the way, would you just go tell my cousin not to be offended? <laughs> just tell people that 
offense is something that will literally eat you alive. And blessed are people who just refuse to be offended, especially when it comes to Him. And so, I want to talk to you for a little while today from this thought, always looking, but never seeing. Always looking, but never seeing. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. And I will just uh, mention this as we get into the message today. And that is, seems as though this year I have come back and revisited a few themes or subjects that we have discussed previously. And I just feel like God bringing me back again uh, to a particular thought today. And I, I want you to know that I know that I'm not losing my mind. And if you are thinking, seems like I just heard Pastor preach that, or it seems like I just we just discussed that, I am aware. I am aware. The first thing to go, they say, is your mind. Mine isn't gone as of yet. So I just put that out there so you will... Stay with me for a few moments. He said, you guys go ask him, is he the one or do we continue searching? Do we look for another? Are you the one or should my search continue? Now, in all honesty, should that question have even been asked in the first place? I mean, what kind of audacity does it require or demand that you would ask the storm calmer, <laughs> the sea walker, the dead man raiser, <laughs> The blind eye opener, what kind of question is it when you see him take a little boy's lunch, a happy meal, and feed the entire multitude and have more left when it was all over than what he started with? What kind of audacity does it take to say, are you really him or should I just go look somewhere else? It's, it's interesting. Jesus, we're talking about Jesus. Talking about the one that you cannot define. The one that nothing about his expectancy, nothing about his birth, nothing about his revelation, nothing about his ministry, nothing about his teaching, nothing about his perspectives, nothing about his approach, nothing about his words, nothing about his works were ordinary or normal. There was nothing about his entire existence that was normal. And you have the audacity to say, are you really Him? Because it seems like everything that you are about can be seen in anyone and everyone else that I go looking for. Really? The one that always has the right answer? You're asking Him this question? The one that can always work it out no matter the circumstance, you're asking him this question? The one that is never 
at a loss for words or miraculous happenings, you're going to ask Him that question? Are you the one? Are you the one? Are you the one? Or should I continue looking? Everything surrounding this man was exceptional. Shout exceptional. Everything about him was thought provoking. Nobody ever left his presence and just thought, well, that was just another day. Everyone left his presence with their thinking provoked. Who was he? What is the situation? How did he do that? Where did he come from? What is this all about? There was nothing surrounding this man that wasn't challenging. What he said challenged people. What he did challenged people. The way he communicated and lived his life challenged people. Yet, the present, uh, the question was presented, and the question continues today. That's human nature. Human nature to see things that are obvious, but continue asking the questions. Sometimes it's a, it's a stall tactic. It's, it's a little bit of delay. You do not want to complete the assignment, so why not ask a few questions to put it off? You do not want to go forward with what you know you have to do, so why not just step back and ask a few questions? Some of us could think about when we were coming to the Lord, we knew early on, this is what I'm looking for, but we were not sure we wanted to commit to it, so we backed up and just started asking questions. We knew, we knew there was a draw. We knew that there was something that challenged me and I was intrigued about it, but I wasn't sure I wanted to jump all the way in. So I used the stall tactic of let me ask a few questions. Let me just chase a few rabbits for a few weeks till I can make up my mind if I really want to do this or not. Because I know the first time I had it preached, it spoke to me. The first time I encountered the truth, it challenged me. It, I wanted to change. and It was what I was hungry for and it was what I was looking for and it was what was pulling me in. But I didn't know if I wanted to leave that old man behind. I didn't know if I wanted to leave those old thoughts and that way of living behind. And so there was stalling there. We're, we're asking, we're asking and we already know the answer. It's human nature. And we continue to suffer with this ailment today called human nature. Human nature. Uh, we're, we're professionals. Look at your neighbor and say, we are professionals. We're professionals at, at, at not seeing the forest for the trees. We're professionals. That, that, that's who we are. Of not seeing... It's right in front of your eyes. We're professionals of it's as obvious as the nose on your face. But we don't see it. Everybody else does, but we don't. I've told this story before and I, I chuckled a bit this last week when, when I included it in my notes today. But my in-laws several years ago, my wife's parents... Um, spent the better part of an hour or more searching for my father-in-law's glasses. 
uh, the two of them were wandering around in their home trying to find his glasses. He needed them to get about his day and they spent more than an hour trying to find his glasses and all along they realized that she was wearing them. <laughs> and they told us the story and we laughed for, for quite a while. She's wearing his glasses. She didn't realize she had his glasses on and he couldn't see well enough to realize she had his glasses on and they were both searching around the house finding her glasses and finding other things, but it never registered. If you're finding her glasses, there must be a reason because she was able to see and uh, uh, she had his glasses on the entire time. Just It happens. It, it happens. In writing, a, a, good, a good editor helps to find mistakes that are in plain sight. They're in plain sight. Trust me, I know. They're right there, but you don't always see. You don't always see that. The secret, they say, to being a good writer is hiring a great editor. So they're helping you see things that are right in front of you, and for whatever reason, you cannot see that. In this monumental experience of the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, it's found in chapter 6 and verse 10. The writer declares, And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and convert and be healed. Isaiah has this experience where he sees the Lord high and lifted up. And his train is filling the temple. And Isaiah feels unworthy and he feels inadequate to do what God was calling him to do. He in this throne room, if you will, he views all of the happenings from the seraphims and they're crying out and they're flying and with twain they've wrapped themselves. And it's in this moment that, 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 that God is calling for Isaiah. Isaiah and Isaiah is saying I can't do this but a coal is taken from the altar and it touches the lips of this man and God speaks to him and tells him God saying go and tell this people Isaiah hear ye indeed but understand not see ye indeed but perceive not make the heart of this people fat and make their ears heavy and shut their eyes lest they see with their ears and and hear with their, uh, see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. He said, "You're they're, they're seeing, but they're not perceiving this. They're hearing, but it's not registering. Their heart is not being moved. You go tell them at the moment that they start truly seeing and hearing and being moved that they will be converted. They will be turned from the way that they are living and the Bible tells us they will be healed. You want healing to come into your life? Then pray that God would give you ears to hear what He's truly saying. 
You pray that there would be a miracle in your life, then pray that God would open up your eyes and help you to truly see what He wants you to see. That that somehow your heart would be moved in the experience that you were in. Because at the moment those things began to happen, conversion will take place and healing will be imparted, the Bible said. In the New Testament, Jesus recalled the directive in the Gospel of Matthew. John also wrote about it. And Luke addresses it in the words of the Apostle Paul in Acts. So what Isaiah experienced, Jesus recounted in Matthew. And John talked about it again in his Gospel. And then Luke picked up the torch and he shared the words of Paul in the book of Acts that have the same Words tied to them. So it was before the Lord, during the Lord, and in the birth of the church and the growth of the church that the message never changed. You need to see what you're not seeing. You need to hear what you're not hearing. You need to be challenged like you're not being challenged. And when you allow that to happen, conversion will take place and healing will be imparted. God, help us to be the kind of people... That can truly see what is right in front of us. I recently read this. The largest radio receiver on the earth is in New Mexico. Pilots, when they fly over it, they call it the mushroom patch. Its real name is the Carl G. Jansky Very Large Array. The BLA. It is a series of 27 huge satellite discs on 38 miles of railway. Together, the dishes mimic a single telescope. So imagine this a single telescope, the size of Washington, D.C. So one telescope the size of Washington, D.C. is what the VLA represents spread out over 38 miles made up of 27 satellite disks that can be viewed as one telescope. Astronomers come from all over the world to analyze the optical images of the heavens composed by the VLA from the radio signals it receives from space. The radio signals that are coming from space, the images that are displayed, astronomers come from all over the world to see these things. The question is, why is such a giant apparatus needed? Why does it have to be as big as Washington, D.C., one single telescope? Because radio waves often emitted from sources millions of light years away are very faint. So the radio signals that are being picked up from millions of light years away are very faint. The total, listen, the total energy of all radio waves ever recorded 
history of recording radio waves. The total energy of all of that barely equals the force of a single snowflake hitting the ground. I hope I didn't lose you. That's why it takes 38 miles and 20 some odd, seven huge discs that are brought into one single telescope that records radio waves from millions of light years away because all radio waves in total that has ever been recorded is no stronger than one snowflake hitting the ground. That's interesting to me. What's interesting is what great lengths people will go in search of a faint message from space. Even as God has spoken so clearly through Jesus Christ and through this Word, people will go to great lengths straining through the eyes of a telescope, the electronic ears of the VLA, they search in the infinite darkness for a possible word from somewhere out there in the universe. And all the while, we have the prophetic word that has been fully communicated and confirmed to us to which you and I and many other peoples do well to pay attention to as we know it is a lamp that shines into a dark place. If people will go to links to try to interpret millions of things miles away, why shouldn't you and I every once in a while just open up His Word and say, I don't have to search out there. I can look right here because it is forever settled. What you're trying to find in the darkness has been revealed right before you. You'll keep looking for something and feel like you are never able to find it. Amen. Amen. The Bible says until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Hallelujah. But God has powerfully spoken to us through His Word. Amen. Through the words of Jesus Christ. He has a very large ear. One writer said, the V-L-E. Amen. The very large ear. That's the God I'm talking about today. That He can hear when you start calling on Him. He can hear if it's the faintest cry. He can hear if you're on your deathbed, if you're on your last breath, if the only thing you can get out is a whisper. He can hear what you're saying because He's tuned to His people and the cries of His children. Amen. And He is continuously listening, listening for His people. He will hear every prayer of every one of His children. Even the prayers, hear me now, that are weaker than a snowflake. 
He'll hear you. When you say, I don't even have the strength to get this out. I don't even have the energy to get this out. I don't even know if I can say it. If you can just have enough energy to speak out what it would seem to you to be a snowflake that hits the ground. He's a God that is ready to respond to the faintest cry. He hears our faintest cry. Hallelujah. And He will answer. By and by. Hallelujah. That's our God. That's what I'm preaching to you about today. That He can hear and He will supply. This is why the writer said, of all of our spiritual disciplines, prayer, prayer is second only to the intake of God's Word in importance. Get this in and start breathing it out. When you get this in and you start breathing it out, God starts turning your situation around. Amen. When you take this in and you start breathing it out in petition, God cannot help but come to your rescue. He cannot help to come to where you are and begin to work in your situation no matter how desperate it is, no matter how gloomy it is. Come on, there is importance in our disciplines and when it comes to prayer, there is nothing that is more important outside of getting His Word in your life. So God help me not to be someone that checks all the other boxes but forgets the importance of prayer. That prayer can change my situation. Prayer can turn this struggle around. Prayer can cause things that are out of sorts to be brought back into order. Why? Because my God is listening for my cry. My God is a tomb to my voice and when I speak he hears he responds he answers out of all of our statistical surveys and experiences it all seems to agree that a large percentage of professing Christians spend Little time in sustained prayer. If you only spend 17 minutes looking at the Grand Canyon and you're commanded to find a place in your bedroom or living room or under a tree or in an altar, you're commanded to just commune with Him when there's nothing in front of you that looks like the Grand Canyon? If you'll only spend 17 minutes looking at that, imagine the seconds that many professing Christians actually spend in prayer. Actually spend in sustained prayer. While people may offer a sentence of prayer, now I lay me down to sleep. Or thank you Lord for this food, blessed to the earth. We have our little sentences and statements of prayer. And we often think that this here and that there and a little bit of this, it'll take care of it all. But rarely, rarely do we spend more than a very few minutes. In fact, very few minutes alone 
in conversation with God. Not a passing statement, but talking to Him. Jesus said this in Luke 18.1, He spake a parable unto them to this end. He spoke the parable to this end. He was delivering the parable so they would get this message. He would teach this principle so this is what would be interpreted from it. And He spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray. Not sometimes pray, occasionally pray, every once in a while pray. If you get around to it, pray. If everything in your world is upside down, pray. If you're sick and you're about to die, pray. He said, I'm teaching this. I'm communicating this. I'm sharing this. I'm delivering this because I want you to get this message that men ought to always pray and not to faint. Well, I don't think there's any benefit in it. Pray anyway. I don't see any results coming out of it. Pray anyway. I don't feel like praying. Pray anyway. I don't like to pray. Pray anyway. It doesn't feel good to pray. Pray. I don't want to be by myself with pray anyway. Uh, Come on, somebody. Jesus gave us a command. And if you're a disciple of Jesus, you'll receive the command to pray. He said pray always. Don't ever stop praying. Don't ever look for a way around it or out of it. Pray. Pray in the morning. Pray in the noonday. Pray in the evening. Pray when things are good. Pray when things are bad. Pray because if you can get enough strength to pray. It may match the force with which a snowflake hits the ground. He said, good, I hear that, 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 I can move there, I'll answer that, I'll work in that situation. Hey, open your mouth and pray. Quit trying to reason it out. Quit trying to think it out. Quit trying to counsel it out. Befriend it out. Open your mouth and pray and He will hear and He will answer and He will move, the Bible said. Pray, 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 pray. Lord, help the people of Vertical Church to learn to pray. Help us to pray like we've never prayed before. If we prayed as much as we talk about praying, if we prayed as much as we act like we pray, if we prayed truly to that extent, it would be obvious. Our attitudes would be different. Our lifestyles would be different. Our conversations would be different. The results that we're walking in would be different. I'm telling you, prayer changes things. Quit talking about it. Quit acting like it. And start doing it. And if you'll do it, God will respond. God will respond. We get so content to just keep looking. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Well, keep looking. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do. Keep looking. Well, I just don't know what to want. Keep looking then. Because the bottom line is, He already told you how it was going to turn out. He already said what He would do. Why? You're you're not seeing what's right in front of you. He said, Lo, I am with you always. I just feel so alone. You're not. 
Well, I just feel so by myself. You're not. What are you doing? You're making excuses because you don't want to commit on your end and the excuse buys you time. You already know. He said, I'm with you always, even to the end. I don't think I could go on any more good. You're not by yourself. He's right there. I just feel so by... You're not by yourself. I just wish somebody... He does. I just wish somebody would... Li- he does. I just wish somebody understood... He does. Come on. It's right there. Are you He? Or do we look for another? It's the Lord. Offering miracles. Offering healing. Offering deliverance. Offering signs. Offering wonders. Offering everything you need. But you're saying, no, get out of my way. I'm looking for something else. I'm looking for something else. I'm looking for another book. I'm looking for another counselor. I'm looking for another podcast. I'm looking for another friend. I'm looking for another report from the doctor. I'm looking for another raise. I'm looking for... Okay, keep looking. Keep looking. Go tell him what you have seen. Go tell him what you have heard. Let him decide for himself if I'm the one or he wants to look somewhere else. He will not force his way in. But he has made himself so obvious. He is so obvious. Yet there are people... I'm just going to keep looking, Pastor. Okay, go ahead. Go get the next report. Go get the next friend. Go get the next... He's right there. He's right there. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you find Jesus. He's the only one who cares and understands. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you will find Him. And you'll know Him by the nail prints in His hands. He's right there. He's right there. Are you, are, are you the one or do we look for somebody else? Just go tell Him what you see. Can anybody else do this? Can, can anyone else promise this? Can anyone else produce this? Can anyone else? No, no, they can't. So just let him decide for, for, for himself. And that's what he's saying to you and I. You Always looking, but never seeing. He's right here. The answers are in front of us. Let, let me hurry along today. To be clear, there are people... Who don't even claim to pray. (laughs) And there are people. Who don't even claim to practice it. I encourage you. Whether you claim it or not. Talk about it. Never do it. I encourage you. Try prayer. Try prayer. It may change your situation. Today. I want to read a lengthy portion of scripture. And then I'll hurry to a close here. If you'll allow me to read this. Ecclesiastes 2. Verse number 1 said, I said in my heart, this is the wisest man that ever lived, I said in my heart, go to now, I will prove thee with mirth, good times, laughter, happiness. Therefore, enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of mirth, what doeth it? He said, I tried these things, and then I was like, I... Did this change anything? Did, did this help in any situation? If I just had some more friends, if I just had some better days, if I could just... He, he's talking about it here. 
He said, I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine. Well, surely, I'll just, I'll just tie one on. Things will get better. I'll give myself to drinking. I'll give myself to wine, he said. Yet acquainted my heart with wisdom. And to lay hold on folly. I thought, I'm just going to have a good time. Till I might see what was that good for the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. I sought this out, he said. I went after it, looking for happiness and pleasure and drunkenness. I, I thought for surely under heaven, this is what men should be doing because this is where their fulfillment will come from. And they should do this all the days of their life. He said, I made me great works. I builded me houses. I accomplished things. I started things. I, I worked. He said, I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. And I, I planted trees in them of all kind of fruit. I made me pools of water. I, I, I put a pool in the backyard, he said. To water therewith the wood that bringeth forth the trees. I planted all the kind of things in the yard that I wanted. I built the kind of homes that I wanted. I got everything together just like my heart desired, he said. I got me servants. I even got people to do things for me. Servants and maidens and, and had servants born in my house. Also I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. No one compared to what I amassed and what I put together and I, I, I gathered it. Me also silver and gold and peculiar treasure of kings and of provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the lights of the sun of men as musical instruments and all that of all sorts. He said, I got, I didn't go to the concerts. I brought the concerts to my house. I paid the musicians. They worked for me. I put the biggest parties on, the biggest entertainment on. I got it all that sorted. So I was great. Had wealth. I had money. I had gold. I had silver. I put it all together. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained in me and I had it all together I was wise and I put everything that anyone could ever want under the sun to live all the days of their life and have it together and he said wisdom remain with me and whatsoever my eyes desired I kept not from them he said I'm looking for things I'm looking for things everything I looked for I found it I, un I unearthed it I turned it over I bought it. I purchased it. I brought it in. I was in control of my life and my destiny. And he said, I had it all together. I withheld not my heart from any joy. Anything my heart wanted to do, I did it. Didn't hold anything back. From my heart rejoiced in all my labor. Look what I built. Look what I started. Look what I accomplished. Look what I have arrived at. He said... And this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of the Spirit. And there was no profit under the sun. Hey, keep looking. Pile it all up. 
Get everything you're after. But when you get to the end of it, you'll find what this wise writer found. That it is all vanity. It is all vexation of spirit. In the end, there was no profit in the new friend. There was no profit in the new business. There was no profit in the new pursuit. There was no profit in the party. There was no profit in what I was after. Because all along, he was standing right in front of me. And I kept looking for other things. I kept pursuing other things. Pastor said, pray. But I decided I'd rather talk to someone else than pray. Pastor said, pray. But I decided prayer wouldn't change my situation. I'd try to read another book or listen to another podcast or get another word from somewhere else. Pastor said, pray. But I just kept looking. I kept looking. For surely the answer is in a promotion. Surely the answer is in another home. Surely the answer is in another friend. Hear me today. God is inspiring me to encourage you to pray like you've never prayed before. If you want your world to change, If you want your family to change, if you want your life to change, the only way it's going to happen is when you start praying. Don't talk about prayer. Don't rehearse it in your mind. Get down and pray. Well, I can't pray like somebody else. If you can pray with the energy of a snowflake hitting the ground, God will hear you. God will hear you. And God will work. Let's stand together.